This is the Oanda Podcast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the globe. And today we're joined by Ed Moyer in New York. Good afternoon from London, Ed. How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Well, it's the first Friday in the month, and that can only mean one thing. It's non-farm payroll day. And looking at the figures that have come in early this afternoon, the U.S. employers hired more workers in October than expected, firms adding 531,000 jobs. So some good numbers there. Yes, it was a very a, a strong report, and I think there's a, you know, a lot of uh, optimism that the labor market recovery is back on track. We've seen the Delta variant uh, impact, and did, that did, um, I think, disrupt some hiring in the prior months, but now it seems things are headed back to normal. And also, we there were some positive revisions, too. So I think when you take a look at the the whole report, um, it was pretty promising. I think the the one standout though for me was that the labor participation rate did not tick higher. I think there was a hope that you were going to see more people return to the labor force, uh, and and that's not happening. So I think there's a, a little bit of a concern that uh, um, you know this is going to be a long drawn out labor market recovery until we reach maximum employment and. Uh, um, I think uh, it's still, you know, positive news for U.S. equities. Uh, you know, S&P 500 futures hit fresh record highs. Um, everything hit fresh record highs. <laughs> and uh, I think uh, in conjunction with that, you also had the, the news from Pfizer that their COVID pill uh, had very strong results. So it was just a, a very um, a strong finish to the week. When you look at the labor market recovery, where it was lagging was leisure and hospitality. And uh, this report showed that, uh, you know, uh, wage growth is still there. And uh, the leisure and hospitality sector uh, saw uh, wages rise 12.4% year over year. So I think uh, that will incentivize many uh, that are on the sidelines. And there's uh, probably growing optimism that you're you're going to see higher wages if you're uh, uh, looking to uh, become employed. And uh, that will uh, lead to the uh, inflation debate that I'm sure we'll have. Obviously, earlier in the week, we had the Fed announcing that they were going to bring down those asset purchases, but no raise in rates yet. Do you think these figures might encourage fed officials to actually rethink setting those rates higher sooner rather than later well if you looked at the reaction to the employment report it was pretty fascinating because you did see uh treasury yields uh spike higher and then um all of a sudden uh uh, everything reversed and uh, i think (laughs) the key takeaway is that uh uh, this report, one labor report, does not change the Fed's mind. Uh, the Fed is locked in. The Fed has done a successful uh, job in, in avoiding a taper tantrum. And uh, you're, you're going to see that uh, this will, uh, th- this patient stance on the Fed as far as waiting to see uh, hiring continue to improve and to, to reach maximum employment means uh, we're, we're in wait and see mode for several months. Uh, so, so I think that... Uh, you're you're seeing yields, uh, you know, pretty much uh, drop significantly. Ten-year uh, yield down now seven basis points to 1.45, and, and that's 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 a that's a big move. And I think that you're probably going to have uh, the, the the Fed uh, for for the most part. Um, they they know that uh, now's the time to uh, withdraw accommodation, and uh, they're going to. Um, I think uh, do it at a faster pace than we saw after the global financial crisis. But uh, you're going to see that uh, you know eventually um, the the you know the 
fixed income markets are going to miss this $120 billion in purchases. And uh, that will really lead to higher treasury yields. But uh, that's not the trade right now. And uh, I, I think that you're going to see um, a lot of people uh, are just going to really you know, fixate over inflation. And uh, it's all about inflation right now. And the Fed has to be proven wrong that it's uh, not mostly transitory. And uh, I mean, Fed Chair Powell signaled that you know they're waiting to see um, if inflation winds down by the second or third quarter. So uh, that means we could still have hotter readings um, over the next couple of months. And uh, as long as it's starting to trend lower going into the second quarter, uh, that's what the Fed wants to see. So uh, we know the game plan. And uh, now we're, we're, we're probably going to just wait to see if, uh, if um, inflation does moderate a little bit or uh, if, if it really um, you know, pushes higher, then you know, that, that might lead some Fed members to, to change their stance. What did you make of the Fed's announcement midweek about bringing down those asset purchases uh, from the current rate of $120 billion? Well, uh, it was pretty much well telegraphed. I mean, everyone saw the the expectation was that they were going to reduce purchases by 15 billion. They delivered that. They're starting mid-November, and then they're going to do it again um, in December. So, if you see a steady reduction of these asset purchases, that means uh, you could possibly see them be in a position to raise rates at that uh, end of July meeting. So, uh, I think everything you know, went as expected. Um, and, and you're probably going to see uh, markets are just going to now uh, wait and see with uh, next next week's inflation data. As you said, most of what the Fed said was expected. But what wasn't expected on Thursday, of course, was the Bank of England's announcement that it was going to keep interest rates at the record low rate of 0.1%. I looked at the numbers earlier on on Thursday and they said it's going to be a 62% chance of a rise in rates. But in the end, the MPC committee voted 7-2 to two in favour of no change from the current rate. Now, I don't know if you've seen any of the British newspapers over the last 24 hours, uh, Ed, but Andrew uh, Bailey has been accused of being a quote-unquote unreliable boyfriend <laughs> uh, because... Everybody thought he was going to go one way and he didn't, even though he said the decision had been a very close call. What was the view in America of what happened here? Obviously, it had an effect on sterling against the dollar. It dropped uh, quite a bit and uh, it was a bit of a surprise. I, I will give you some of the behind the scenes uh, at Oanda, and uh, we, we debated what was going to happen moments before the, the policy decision. And uh, my counterpart, uh, Craig Earlham, he was on board for a rate hike. Others were too. And, and uh, I took the stance that I expected no change. Um, it is uh, something that you, you have to remember <clears throat> market expectations, the data, but as far as you know where they were in the recovery uh i think that they were in a position to to signal that you know they were going to raise interest rates the next month um but bailey didn't even do that um, <laughs> uh so so i think uh the criticism is probably justified but uh but i i think that you're you're probably going to see um you know the you know the, the market you know, had a major reset after this. Uh, the, I'm glad you brought up the, the, the volatility that we saw with yields. Um, the two-year rate, um, it dropped over 20 basis points. Uh, we haven't seen a move like that since Brexit. Uh, so this was, this was, you know, this, you know, caught everyone's attention. And I think uh, uh, it, it really, 
it complemented uh, what what happened with the Fed, and and, and it really kind of sent um, yields uh, sharply lower. I think you're you're seeing now uh, there's this um, consensus forming that um, these major central banks. Uh, are not going to be as quickly tightening and that we are seeing a lot of these uh, developing nations. And uh, I, th- I think that there is this fear that uh, we could be seeing, uh, you know, massive policy mistakes here by the Bank of England, by the Fed. Uh, and uh, I think that's that's really going to keep the, the, the volatility um, going forward. Um, even, you know, the, you know, even on today, uh, you're, you're continuing to see those Bank of England rate height expectations get pushed back even further. Uh, I, th- I think that you're 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 going to have a market here uh, that is now going to completely uh, you know be be fixated over inflation. And uh, I think um, you know what was just also important to 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 take a look at too was you know on the vote on uh, QE uh, you know uh, Catherine Mann also uh, joining the dissenters. Uh, and uh, having three votes there, so so I think uh, you're 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 going to see a lot more lively reactions to uh, central bank policy meetings um, going forward, and I think we're we're probably going to to um, see um, a lot of uh, uh, I think um, criticism go into the next uh, BOE decision. But right now, I think uh, markets they uh, they're not even convinced that they're going to do it next month. I think the expectations have gone into next year, so that's that's possibly. Uh, a big mistake here by by uh, the Bank of England. I was sceptical that they would raise the rates yesterday. I was with you on that one, though I can't prove it, of course, uh, Ed. You actually had the conversation with uh, Craig and uh, your colleagues. Uh, of course, you've now outed Craig as uh, uh, an analyst who got it wrong yesterday. I'm sure he'll be delighted about that. But as you said, uh, the Bank of England may have made a big mistake. Having said that, they probably are worried about the fragility of the UK economy and the sort of message it sends by raising rates, albeit by only 0.15%, obviously worried that the UK economy could go downwards at any point. So why take the risk of taking money out of the system? Exactly. I think the the concerns are if the economy... uh we're only to face these supply shocks and cooling down the economy would be the wrong thing to do. And, and I think the, 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 the market has seen a tremendous amount of accommodation throughout this pandemic. And now, uh, you know, the exit is going to be very tricky. Everyone knows what happened uh, <clears throat> with the uh, taper tantrums. Everyone knows that you've provided so much support for the economy. You don't want to, to pull it so quickly. And, and I think the, the, the problem is that there are other factors that are influencing the outlook. And uh, you, 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 you're still kind of uh, in, in, in some parts of the economy are dealing with Brexit. And uh, I, I think right now, you, you know, a cautious stance by the Bank of England could eventually be justified. But um, no, I, I think that the, the messaging, you know, the, the market expectations were for tightening because of what the Bank of England was signaling. I think they were being a little bit too uh, possibly optimistic before, and uh, I think this could have been avoided. Let's move on and talk about OPEC uh, for a bit. And uh, we saw in the last couple of days the decision just to keep the supply as it is at the moment and uh, no further boost in production. Yes, and I think the the headlines that dominated uh, the press here on this side of the Atlantic was that uh, OPEC did not bow down to the pressure from the Biden administration and also from Japan and other countries. Uh, this 
for me was one of the easier uh, OPEC plus meetings. Uh, it was fairly quick, not not the, the quickest one, uh, but but uh, th this was easy. Um, this was easy. I think that, uh, you know, OPEC plus and uh, specifically the Saudis have been signaling they are starting to be a little bit concerned about the short term demand outlook. And uh, given uh, where um, um, They've uh, seen this recovery evolve and uh, just the reaction with the Delta variant and some of the recent weakness we've seen with prices, uh, there was no incentive for uh, OPEC plus to increase output. Um, you know, the, uh, you know, they decided to stick to the script and, and maintain that 400,000 barrel per day increase in December. The U.S. was asking for them to do 600 to 800,000. And, and uh, I think that you're, you're going to probably see the Biden administration is extremely frustrated, but uh, they don't have a lot of cards to play. Uh, you know, COP26 has not really <laughs> provided a, an avenue for the U.S. to uh, turn back to drillers and say, OK, just, you know, let's uh, just until we're beyond this pandemic, let's keep on drilling uh, and uh, raise production. But that's that's not happening. And, and I think that you're you're seeing that, you know, the the amount of tools that uh, they have is tap the, the strategic petroleum reserves, which uh, they've flaunted already and uh, or uh, come down, uh, just make life a little bit harder for uh, some of these uh, um, uh, OPEC plus countries. So um, that I think you're, you're seeing <clears throat> there's a there's been a, a pullback here for oil prices, uh, but the the oil market deficit firmly remains in place. I think that you're you're going to see international travel start to pick up uh, next week as uh, the U.S. Um, um, raises that um, and allows vaccinated travelers to come to the country. Uh, so I think you're 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 you're, you're starting to see uh, a more more um, I think employers. Uh, come out return in, or force or, or um, kind of bring back or return to the office. So uh, the demand outlook is, I think, going to steadily improve. And while we're kind of battling maintenance season and different production uh, uh, headaches, uh, I think you're you're going to see this market is going to remain uh, uh, very tight. And uh, I think prices are still likely to, to continue to push higher. So um, I think if we do get an SPR announcement by the Biden administration, that might lead to a one, two, or maybe even $3 dip. But I think that would probably be the trigger for a lot of energy traders to, to scale back into crude. And um, I, I think until we really know exactly how cold this winter is going to be for the northern hemisphere and how much shortfalls that nat gas is going to have and what ultimately that's going to lead to extra demand for crude uh, uh you know this market should remain fairly supportive so i think that uh, the the oil market uh, sell-off we've seen this week is uh um you know probably going to have strong support uh, at that 80 dollar level that is for wti and uh, you, you'll probably see i think prices um somewhat be supported around here and uh no so i think uh, oil is going to be volatile and uh, you also had iran uh, announcing that they're ready to restart nuclear deal talks uh, at the end of the month so uh, a lot of moving parts but i think uh nothing will take away from that oil market deficit for the rest of the year okay ed before you go let's have a quick look ahead to next week as well and what should we look out for in the next seven days or so i think um the over the weekend uh it'll start off with a good look at uh, uh, some Chinese data. We're going to have their trade balance. And uh, we're, we're starting to see uh, 
there's growing pressure that the PBOC might be uh, put in a position where they need to do more. Uh, so if we have uh, um, greater slowdowns with um, both imports and exports, uh, you should not be surprised if that just kind of uh, moves the needle on the, the PBOC acting. Um, also to the, the Communist Party's uh, they, they, they begin their four-day event uh, uh, with their uh, central uh, committee. And, and I think you're, you're probably going to eventually get some headlines later in the week, but that starts on Monday. That will be key. Uh, I think next week, the, the main event is really going to be inflation data. We get it for uh, many countries, but uh, I think the focus will be on U.S. Uh, CPI on Wednesday, um, you know, where going to probably see uh, pricing pressures hit the highest levels since the 90s, uh, the, the year over year, expected to rise to 5.8%. Uh, this is, um, I think, going to be the, the key focal point. The day before we get PPI, but then that's also supposed to remain elevated. Um, uh, and then uh, on Thursday, it's all about UK industrial production and GDP. Those are going to be closely watched. Uh, also, uh, later that night uh, for you guys afternoon for me uh, Mexico's central bank will uh, is they're expected to raise uh, their overnight rate by 25 basis point uh, emerging markets are scrambling they, they are some have been delivering greater rate hike rate hikes than uh, than uh, economists have been expecting so that's going to be important to watch and then uh, um, we also have on Friday preliminary uh, consumer sentiment data, which is supposed to show uh, the consumer bouncing back in November. Um, there's a wrath of Fed speak. It's uh, almost every day. <laughs> um, I think uh, Powell speaks a couple times, um, but we, you know, he's not going to speak after the inflation data. So we really shouldn't hear too much of a change from uh, the Fed chair. Sounds like a very busy week. Enjoy your weekend and we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks, Ed. Looking forward to it. Thank you. This is the Oanda Podcast.